Amen. you for this opportunity to hear and believe your word. Father, we want to put our faith in action at all times. We know that it pleases you. It's not our works that please you, but our faith and our works that come out of faith and trusting and believing in you. And so, Lord, we want to know what the difference is today, how to really trust you, how to go forward in our relationship with you to do the things that you've ordained for us to do in this life. So we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So the question God wants to put to you today is, is is it a big deal or is it a done deal? Amen. Is it a big deal or is it a done deal? When difficulties come, those are the decisions that have to be made. And basically, I mean, there are a lot of things that need to, uh, to be settled for us. But basically, what you need to do, decide is, is what is happening in your life a big deal or is it a done deal? If you're a faith person, you might stew and fret for a little bit. At the end of the day, you have to consider it a done deal. You must, amen, you must consider the solution to it a done deal. And the sooner you can decide that, the easier it's going to be for you. The more you'll, the quick, more quickly you'll be able to receive the benefits of God's word, the more uh, good fruit you can produce in your life. If you think about it, the enemy's strategy to hinder the Christian from going forward is is just 24-7 bombardment of, of a lot of things that had to do with our old life. This is what makes a lot of it kind of credible, uh, gives uh, um, believability to a lot of the threats that the enemy sends towards us, you know. Uh, it, it's that it sounds reasonable. And then when you think about it, he uses the voice of your conscience that you've had with you all along to begin to project those ideas to you. And so when difficulties come, you have to make a decision. I think if you can make a decision right away that this is a done deal and not it's going to do you in deal. Amen. It's a done deal because your answer comes from the Lord. Your answer will be something that, that can be accomplished and achieved, and you begin to put your faith behind the done deal instead of behind the difficulty. Difficulties will come for a season, but God says we have many afflictions. Righteous people undergo many afflictions, but he delivers us out of them all, all of them, man. And he never gets tired of delivering you. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't wear out like people do. You know, sometimes people I tell you why people we get tired of one another, because we think when we sometimes when you're doing the right thing, you think it's the wrong thing because we're not holy. You see, when you're holy, you never doubt that you're doing the right thing. Whatever you do, it's going to work out. But because we have iniquity in us, there's always this nagging. Well, I, I did the best I can. Or, you know, I remember when I sometimes when I would prophesy to people or preach, the devil would start to hit my head after I did it with, oh, you, you, you can't tell people like that. And you wouldn't hear from God. Blah, 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 blah. So, well, devil, I said it. You got me? 
And so it's up to God either to perform it, them to believe it, don't let any words fall to the ground, whatever. Once it's spoken, it's up to God to do to bring it to pass if, if there's faith applied to it. And so we, we have to understand that there is a constant, continual uh, bombardment from, from the forces of darkness to keep us from believing that things are a done deal. They want to think us, make us think trouble uh, will come and last forever, that God won't rescue us like he did the last time because somehow he's like unadopted us or drop, he's ready to drop us. And even though you can know scriptures like he will never leave us or forsake us, it's sometimes hard to apply in everyday situations because the human mind always likes figuring. Amen. If you could get over figuring and get into faithing, amen, <laughs> or just start faithing everything and quit figuring so much stuff out, and you can, you can pretty much easily go over into that realm where you put your faith and your trust in God and never move out of there. Now, there will be times when the enemy, because things keep moving in a negative direction sometimes, you may get the impression that it's going to last a long time. It's not going to reverse. It's not going to happen. Eh, all this kind of stuff. But always at the end of the day, when you, before you put your head on that pillow, you sum up your day and you say, God, all of that happened, but I still believe it's a done deal. I still believe you're going to do this for me, and I still believe that I'm going to be victorious, like you said, in everything I set my hands to. So... Uh, why does this happen to us? In Luke 22, verse 31, let me set this scene for you to get an understanding of how these <clears throat> big deals that come to us in life are inevitable and they are part of the mission, <laughs> mission of life, I will put it that way, because they happen to everybody. James tells us, to count it all joy when we fall into different trials and different testings come upon our lives. And very few people take him up on that invitation. We count it all hysteria. We count it all drama. We count it all, you know, I'm going to die and it's not going to happen. We count it all a lot of things. But seldom do we really count it all joy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like the little crazy people on the what you call it commercial was that direct tv or something you know like people like wet grocery bags and then <laughs> ladies groceries <laughs> yes you know that kind of stuff you have to be like them crazy people who do the opposite of what your feelings tell you should do so that you can stay in the realm of faith and stay where god wants you to be you know and, and so you just have to take the opposite approach. You know, you, many times we, our reactions to things are a lot of group think. You know, most people react like that in this situation, you know. And uh, um, so we, we adopt that, that kind of posture, you know. Like most of the people who cry at funerals ain't really upset. It's group think, you know, it's like, what's, what's the appropriate thing to do, huh? Hoop and holler and carry on. Well, you have some people going to the wrong funeral place to be sitting up there on the front row. 
just a bawling and a screaming. And, oh, this is the wrong. That ain't him. Huh? This is this is going. We just go along with the crowd. Hmm? I made up my mind when I was called a minister. I said, mm, I said, I can't be acting up and, and, and carrying on at no funeral because I'm about to be the preacher. You understand what I'm saying? I'm about to get myself together and find a different way to respond to things because, you know, sometimes you don't know what else to do. You know, my, my um, husband was good friends with a family that owns a funeral home here in Cleveland. And I remember going to a few funerals at the uh you know there and uh the guy i'll tell you his friend's name his name was pepper and so <laughs> pepper Boyd, and he was you know one of the uh undercover lovers from deville they all went to glenville and i can remember when when my husband's uh parents when his dad passed away we went and then sat in and talked to Pepper in his office, and we got all of the arrangements and stuff made. And I said, that kind of looks familiar. Well, I can remember when, when you know, they would, like if you would go to a funeral, you know how they kind of help you out of your cars and stuff. He was always at the car where the young chicks was. And, Check it out your legs. When you, and I told, I, told, I told my husband about it after we got home. He said, yeah, that's Pepper. That's him. He said, if you're nice looking and young and fine and all that stuff, he's going to swing that door open and make sure you get out of there. Pass up the family, the hearse and all that. And go find the chick that, uh-huh. I said, yep, that's him. <laughs> but you know, I mean, he does a lot of funerals because he's he got to do something to break it up. But you know, <laughs> but but people, you know, and their responses and everything. So I mean, they they're not hardly moved by a lot of this stuff. You know, they kind of get beyond it. But you know, many times our responses are just kind of pre-programmed. You know, it's like it, we say, well, it, it's normal to do. It's normal to. We want to excuse everything that's of the flesh with, well, it's understandable, it's normal. Under Well, you don't have to have a judgment on that kind of stuff. Just let people get where they need to get because <clears throat> there are ways to move in authority over these things. You know, speaking of grief, Brother Hagen said that his family was gathered around one of their elders, like an older, uh, one of the grandmothers or older aunt or somebody like that. And they had lived to be up in their 90s and finally passed away. And so they were all gathered around, you know, when she departed. And so Brother Hagen said that, you know, people began to shed tears, he said, and he could feel a spirit of grief come and overtake that room. And he started prophesying to that thing. He said, oh, grieve, oh, he said, oh, grave, where's your victory? Oh, you know, death, where is your sting? And he began to prophesy against that stuff. He said, and every tear dried up in there. Every, you understand what I'm saying? Now, now, see me, crazy people say, so, well, that's mean. Then people suppose, let them grieve and let them, but you know, if it's, yeah, grieving is normal to a degree, but it can be assisted and it can be made very much exaggerated by a spiritual force that comes to help it be more intensified, be uh, to linger longer. 
to to land on some people, you know, without any let up, you know, that kind of stuff where people get depressed and suicidal. So you want to let those things be handled by God and let God help people through it. You know, you, you, this is something you have to let God do for people. You know, I know a lot of times we'll see people who are, have lost somebody and I know how you feel. Well, that doesn't help me. You know what I'm saying? We, we can both feel bad, but, you know, we, we try to find the right thing to say. And there's nothing wrong with, with feeling for people wanting to find the right thing to say. But you need to know that those things are best handled by God. Amen. You know, I'm sorry, really sorry to hear about that. And I am praying for you. Just remember that. You know, I'm praying for you. And so, you know, that that kind of thing. Keep it, keep it short. Keep it sincere. And keep it small. But don't let yourself get involved in God's business of how he helps people, you know, to deal with situations like that. And so it's, it's good to understand that God can give us a sense of it being a done deal no matter where we are in our difficulty, no matter how severe the difficulty is, no matter how frequently we may have the same difficulty, the same flare-up, God can handle it and get us to the place where we are at peace because we know it's done, it's taken care of, it's the, our answer, our end will be good, we won't suffer too much, I think that's the other thing people think about when difficulty comes, you know, if, if especially if it involves some discomfort or some uh, disease or symptoms or whatever, uh, we always think it's going to be uh, overwhelm us, going to be too great for us, but the Bible tells us that he knows how to deliver the righteous out of their testings. You know, God knows how to deliver us out of these situations. And so if we will hook up with God, you know, just connect with him as soon as possible and say, God, you know what this is. You knew what it, when it was coming. You knew what it was from the beginning of the foundation of the earth, but you still guaranteed my success. You still guarantee my victory, and I'm going to receive that as of the Lord, and, and just you know keep keep living, keep keep expecting good, just keep expecting good. So in Luke 22, in a verse, what did I say? Uh, let's do verse 31. <clears throat> Jesus has just been preaching to them about. Um, you know, he, he, he washed the disciples' feet at the Passover meal as an example of how leadership should submit to the people they serve and serve them. You know, he said, if you, if you don't wash one another's feet, you don't have any part in me. So, and that's a, a big indictment for leaders, you know, because seldom do leaders think about serving the people. You know, they wonder, the uh, first thing they wonder is when we're going to get enough people in here so I can have a good living. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a lot of it is me-centered, not so much servant-centered. You know, how to serve humanity, how to serve. You know, there was a time in this nation where uh, church people and, and most adults worked hard, took care of themselves, and all of a sudden we get this flop in society where we have a lot of people who were homeless. A lot of people couldn't take care of themselves. So that's where the church is supposed to stand out, you know, in meeting the needs of everyday people right where, where they live. And so that example of, of washing feet 
extends into feeding, extends into making sure people have comfortable homes, that the, the utilities are on, you know, that the, unless they take any money and spend it on dresses, you know what I'm saying? It's up to you to do what you, you know what I'm saying? But leave your utilities on, you know what I'm saying? Don't get no reputation of being cut off and cut on all that old nonsense stuff. Just make sure that, because God has the money for you to pay it. He has the money for you, period. So if you're, you're a believer, you know, what you need to do is work on your faith and discipline, keeping yourself in a place where you don't don't continue to rob Peter to pay Paul. You know, you just be responsible. Do what God tells you to do. And then pretty soon he will trust you with so much more. It, it'll be like nothing, you know, once once it's in the, your thinking is in the right place on that. So anyway, uh, they, they, you have to have that sense that the sheep are, are your boss. You're not their boss. You're their leader, but you're not their boss. You got me? But, but they have a certain degree of, of lordship over you because you have to serve them. That's your job is to serve. So Jesus then uh, tells the disciples, you know, how to serve one another, be an example before them. And then uh, they would start arguing about who's going to be the greatest and so forth and so on. So he had to get that straightened out. And so he says here in verse 31, And then the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you. And that you is a plural. So it means all of you disciples, not just Simon Peter. But he says to gather all of you, all disciples of Christ, have this this thing over their lives and he says that he may sift you as wheat and what that means is that satan has laid because of our iniquity he lays claim to us and this is something that we we don't understand but but we understand to a degree if you look at the book of job you see that satan laid claim to job He lays claim to all of us through iniquity. And so, but once we belong to God, then God's sovereign will overrides what Satan has in mind. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have difficulties, but the end result is different. So what Jesus is saying, he's wanting to sift you like wheat. And when wheat is sifted, they use what they call a winnowing fan. Uh, a winnowing, uh, 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 yeah, and they put it, it's like a, 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 t- a little a pan with holes in it, and they toss the wheat up and shake it, and it hits that hard pan and keeps, and that's you and me. He wants to pound us. And what happens is the wheat, kernel of wheat, separates from the shaft. So there's a part that blows away. That's your flesh and your fluff. And the ashes of the nonsense you used to like to do. Got me? But what Satan's idea is, is that if wheat and chaff are one, as we and Christ are one, the outcome Satan wants is to separate you from God. And it works with many people. That's why he continues to do it. God gives him permission to do it because God knows for certainty that if you obey him and you count everything a done deal 
at the end of it, the only thing that blows away is stuff he can't use in your life anyway. Huh? Yeah. Our bad habits, our bad mouth, you know, our, our uh, um, you know, misgivings about things, all, you know, our bad moods and all that kind of stuff. When, when we get through the sifting, then what happens is that, that we get down to the purity of what's in our spirit. You know, it comes, you come forth as pure gold. You've been through the fire, but you don't smell of smoke. You've been through the water and it didn't drown you. You realize that you are an overcomer instead of a victim. So in the end, Satan has the same outcome with us that he had with Jesus. I'm sure he was totally shocked when Jesus got up in the midst of hell and began to lead captivity captive. He, you know, the hunter got captured by the game. Amen. And so when we see that, that Satan in the Bible says if the, the prince of this world had known the wisdom of God, he would never have crucified the king of glory. Because when he crucified Jesus, that spelled his doom. Okay. So Satan's not wise. He's not smart. So you can, but he, he is cunning and he is subtle. He does what he does by watching people, observing and planning his strategy based on what he observes. He is very diligent. He's a good note taker. He's been taking notes on people for, for generations. And so he knows just how to set us up. He knows just how to try and get the goods. But because you have a covenant with God, you can count it all joy. Because at the end of the sifting, you won't be separated from God. Amen. You'll, have, you'll be a nice plump kernel of wheat fit for the master's use. But what comes off is not your connection to Jesus. What comes off is the things that Satan connects to you. Amen. Like your desire for stuff, your, your mishandling of your money, your, your mistakes in, in picking the wrong people to be around, all that stuff. That stuff will leave you one day and you'll get down to the real you, that, that heart of gold that's in you. That spirit that's ready to serve God at a moment's notice, that, that part of it. Amen. And so when God lets us go through the sifter, Jesus never said he would, we wouldn't be sifted. He said, Satan has desired to have you all that he may sift you like wheat. He says, but I have prayed. Not I have released you from it. Not I have given you an exemption and a free pass. He says, I prayed for you that what? That your faith don't fail. So what do you need faith for? You need faith to stay in the sifter until the sifting's done. You got me? And so this isn't a life like, you know, there's a lot of people that preach and skip over a lot of important stuff. I remember we used to hear this preached all the time about testings and trials and how you're purified. You know, God puts you on the potter's wheel. Remember them, them things? You know, he's the potter and you're the clay. You know, he molds you and shapes you. Now we're confession people. You know, we can confess anything. You know, bibbity bobbity boo And we can have whatever we say. You got me? And they say nothing anymore about your purification. Now, that's why we got so many people get out here and they start a ministry and they get embarrassed in front of everybody because they launch themselves. Amen. 
They were never sent. They just went. Amen. They got out there and blew up and exploded. And so what we have to understand is that there is a, a, an ordained manner of living for all believers. There are certain things that you must go through. It's like God told Israel. He said, I took you through the desert to test to see what's in your heart, whether you would trust me or not, whether you would serve me or not, whether you would love me or not. So testing is, is a part of life. If them goofy, dope-smoking teachers of ours can test us in, in school, God can test us in real life. You got me? Because you have to master certain things. You're not just an automatic master of, of the things God has for us. So, and, it, and if, he's, if he's with you, Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail you. So the key to it being a done deal is that you must have faith in the outcome that God has ordained for you. You've got to have faith that it's going to be a good good outcome for you. And so he says, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, and that's what God wants for all of us. See, you get sifted, and the end result of the sifting is your conversion. What does a conversion mean? The word convert really means to turn over or turn toward. Amen. Or turn, the word con is with. So it means turn together with. So, so what you're doing in, in your conversion is say, for instance, you, um, you, you were uh, in a, 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 a pro-choice person when you were in the world. You, you find the Lord. All your thoughts are, you know, out there with the women protesting with the pink hats on their head and looking all crazy and everything and that then was your peeps you know you know no better you're just out in the world you know the different things we all come from different backgrounds and and you get involved in the things of god and all of a sudden your your conscience starts to prick you about your pro-choice and it's just a blob of tissue and you, somebody shows you some movies where you see it's a real baby and you know all that kind of stuff and and so little bit by little bit you think and you say oh god i must be wrong or if i'm wrong show me yeah and so that's conversion if i'm wrong show me show me your way lord i'm thinking crazy here i can't be here in the midst of the saints and they're they're talking about uh, life and how precious it is and yet i'm holding on to these free choice ideas see christians we, we have gotten passive on a lot of things that we used to be passionate about you got me because you'll find a lot of christians don't like you tell somebody well if you vote democrats you're voting for killing babies oh no that's not me i'm just you know I, that ain't why i vote well sure it is because you have to take the whole platform you can't take part of that and just because you like them because they talk about this and talk about that and then you get that part you just take the whole a little leaven leavens the whole lump. see this is the standard we as christians live by we don't live by politics and and what people look like it's the first black this it could be the first green something if he's for killing babies he don't get my vote you understand you've got to be like that you have to sanctify yourself, Holy Spirit, soul, mind, and body. You got me? 
Because that's somebody's, somebody's great somebody that just got flushed down the toilet. Or they picked it apart and sold the body parts. And You're a part of that. Now let's grow up now, y'all. Let's get rid of your little pet things you like and petty things you hang on to. And I got that. Well, you vote for then you vote against your race. I don't. I'm, I belong to the Christian race. Whatever color that is, whatever color God is, that's my color. You understand? I died to that color thing a long time ago. Huh? I'm for some Christian privilege. Now everybody in the privilege, white privilege. Uh, uh, dreamer privilege I'm into Christian privilege huh? I am a privileged Christian cut all this foolishness out you know we hang on to some things way too long the civil rights movement was over when I was a teenager and we still like we like we march and protesting and you know ain't protesting nothing let's go get in your bible somewhere and go win some souls to Christ and leave that other stuff alone it doesn't mean anything. Then people are going to be, be uh, pushing their ideas and, and stealing votes and everything else they do forever. This world will be here and be doing it. And unless Jesus comes, it's going to be doing the same thing it's doing. But you got to make sure that you're right with God so that you wind up in the right place at the end of the day. You got me? At the end of your life, what are you, what's your name been associated with? What have you fell in line in agreement with in your life? What have you fell in line with in your life? So you have to decide those things, folks. These are decisions you find in your heart between you and God. When you read the Word, you look at what the Word says, you say, oh, man, I've been supporting this. God, forgive me. Change me. That's what conversion is. So Jesus says, I've, this sifter is either going to make you or break you. It's either going to convert you at the end or you're going to wind up in the, <laughs> this is what Diamond and Silk say, in the bowl of stupid. And they, they put people's picture in there and stir it up, you know. <laughs> so, so you have to make up your mind about these things. It's, it's you, it's between you and God. You decide. You can't say, well, Pastor Barb, she used to sit up there, and, and I know she was for Trump, and she was for this. Listen, I'm for whoever God sends to get us out the mess we in. Uh-huh. It can be him this week. It can be somebody else next week. But I'm, I'm moving on in the Lord, you know, trying to keep up as best I can. But the point of, point of the sifting is to convert you to God's ways. Take your brain that used to think everything was cool. Huh? You know, people would just, uh, instead of calling it illegal drugs, little herb, smoke a little herb, you know, all this kind of stuff. Sandy Brown used to say, well, she said, I smoked marijuana after I got born again because I read that God created the herbs in the field for, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying, for everybody to enjoy. Well, she wasn't converted. But then there came a place where God pricked her conscience. Amen. And then you go through a sifter. The sifter might have been back and forth on her head. This is right. That's wrong. This ain't right. This can't be wrong. Yada, yada, yada. Finding scriptures to back you up and because you don't divide it correctly. All that kind of stuff. And so at the end of the sifting, you've got to be converted. You, you, can't, you can't. Like you see some people hold on to crazy ideas for a long time 
Because they're stubborn. They don't want to change. You know? In Christianity, you're going to find out you're wrong almost every five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Some days it's like that. It's just bong, 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 bong. You know, you mean I've been doing this all this time and it ain't, what is it? Yes. Huh? God, you know, gave you mercy, even though you was goofing up. But now it's time to get sifted. You know, it's time to get in that sifter and and confront that. You know, you, you confront yourself. You confront your, your crazy ways of thinking. You confront all of that stuff. Don't ever call what you do and you know is, is sin. Don't call it right. Just because God didn't pull a rug out from under you, don't think you're getting away with something. The Bible says he's not mocked. Don't deceive yourself. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap, you know. So you, you can't mock God. He, he sees everything. The best thing you can do is, is, is uh, lawyer up, uh, come clean, confess it, and jump in the sifter. Amen. Just jump in the sick. Amen. So he says that I prayed for you that your faith don't fail. In other words, you going through, brother. He said, Listen, I prayed for you. Bye-bye. Huh? Just jump on in the sifter. He said, and when you are converted, because you will be. If he's prayed for you, you will be. You'll make it through. So that's the, the breakthrough we're talking about. Breaking through into God's way of thinking about things, getting freed up from the condemnation of the world, allowing yourself to have the thoughts of God, just like God would think, behave like God would behave, all of that stuff. And so uh, he says, strengthen your brethren. So you're in the sifter, not just because of you or for you. You're there so that God can have strong people down here on the earth. Huh? And they say that you will have enough strength to strengthen somebody else. And that's true of all believers. Now, Peter was an apostle, and the others standing around were after Jesus ascended. But, but it's to all believers. We, we are to strengthen the weak. That's, that's our job down here. And strengthen them in God's word. Not, not patronize and tell, oh, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about a thing. You know, it's, you know what? God wants you well. He don't want you sick. Now, if you, you don't want sick, he's with you in that. So we'll pray. And we'll just ask God to get that right for you, you know. So <clears throat> in, in the sifting, Jesus wants, uh, uh, Satan wants to test all of us. But, and the sift us like wheat, which is a rough ride. And, but it separates the good from the bad, the usable from the unusable. So there are things in our lives God cannot use. And the sifter comes to separate that from you. Now, it's just like being on a, a winnowing fan. you gotta got to hit, boom, 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 hitting the hard things and challenging things. And some things you can't get it on your own. And you got to wait for God, all that kind of stuff. He separates the good from the bad. But Jesus prayed for all of his disciples that in the time of testing, your faith would hold you through. So you stay connected to God. That's the most important thing. There is nothing wrong with your faith, my faith, anybody's faith. Because Jesus' prayers cover his bride. They cover the body of Christ. So there's nothing wrong with anybody's faith. Amen. Our challenge is to consider 
whether you can whether it is a done deal or a big deal you decide that if it's a done deal you will stay with the faith of god amen write that down if it's a done deal you stay with the faith of god now people say things like well i don't believe in all this faith confession well that's why it don't work for you and we can pass you by because we talking about believers up in here you understand what i'm saying you just go home because this is for believers you got me that's why it's addressed to believers i was concerned about gloria copeland we hadn't seen her at the conferences that they have and meetings and and, you know praying for her and whatever it is and so forth and so on so then i see somebody cnn or somebody then grabbed her and put her on national news she she telling people not to get a flu shot well hello cnn she's talking to believers if you ain't a believer just bye-bye huh it's been nice knowing you but bye-bye huh when i heard that that really did my heart good because i saw i heard her say believer i said well she ain't talking to you she ain't talking to nobody who ain't believing. Let's go home. That whole conversation didn't have nothing to do with you. Now, if you're a believer, we I told I told somebody, I said, we've been doing the same thing for years. But it's for believers. You want to go get shot up with that stuff, you can hit yourself. Huh? But I'm telling you, according to God's word, you don't need it because you are healed. If you can take up serpents and drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Amen. Same thing with stuff you breathe in. Now, if you ain't in the mood of believing, then this ain't going to help you. But you can be a believer. You just got to decide to believe that. Huh? I see them little shots everywhere. They even in the back of the supermarket shooting you up. I say, that's when they shoot you up in, in, in the back room at Mark's. Well, I mean legitimate stuff. They've probably been shooting up back there for a long time. No, I ain't receiving it because I trust God. You know, and I'm not being foolish or presumptuous, but I got word to back up what I'm doing. I trust God with my help. I mean, what are you a believer for if you're going to do like the world does all the time? You got me? I'd rather step out on God any day. He took care of me in a lot of situations when I didn't even know him, didn't have a word to believe in. He has taken care of me. I don't need this other stuff. Amen. You know, my little dentist, she gets all, she looks Middle Eastern. She gets all intrigued and she want to, she don't know what to do, you know. So, uh, you know, my, I told you about my little uh, crown came in early and I said, oh, praise the Lord. And I looked at her, I said, can I say praise the Lord in the dentist's office? You certainly may. Yes, praise God. I thought so. Because <laughs> I don't go, I'm packing, honey. I don't go nowhere without him. You kidding me? They be sending all them little people. I got shoes on older than most of them running around there. They tell me, I'm the hygienist. I said, seriously? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Got to pray for her. 
this is a school. I said, I, I called myself getting in with the professionals. I said, I've been down to the dental school. I know that whole rap. I said, here's the follow me up here, the dental school devil, you know. But but you do have to cover yourself. You know, these people get in there and they skip class that day or, you know, they just told a lie and told them they, they did that little thing on the little funny dummy they have working on it. They can't wait to get on somebody real. Listen, I've been a medical student in that field and stuff, so don't don't go there with me. No, just and I'm pleading the blood. Amen. My stuff up. Yep, got my stuff ready. So you know, you 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 have to do what your faith tells you to do. You got me. Faith in God will always tell you. Call those things that be not as though they are. That's faith. That's what faith does. You, have, you don't have to be uh, afraid of saying you're healed and, and you don't feel good. Yeah, right. Amen? Because yeah, you're, you're confessing what heaven confesses about you. How do you think you can pray for sick people and, and God heals them? You got me? It's because you believe that it's a done deal already. It's not going to be done. It's done already. Amen? So <clears throat> there is nothing wrong with our faith. Our challenge is to consider what you need a done deal amen it's not a big deal when you are converted from the sifter to perfected in faith you have work to do and that is you're strengthened for your brethren amen we're to serve one another because you have gone through the process of conversion conversion is very important because you can have a conversation with somebody and and um Instead of keeping your stand on the word, if you're not converted, the enemy can find a place in your soul to grab on to failure or fear or something like that. And you wind up agreeing with them in their misery. You got me? And it's very easy to do. You just Sometimes you just feel like, well, I shouldn't say that because maybe they don't think that way or whatever. Well, you better spit it out because they never will think the way God thinks if you don't tell them what God says. Amen. So you're there to convert them as well once you have been converted. If the truth is good enough for you, it's good enough for everybody else. Sometimes we think, say, for instance, we think our children can't. Uh, pray for themselves or expect God to do things for them personally in their lives. We want to take all the problems away. <clears throat> well, when has God been a problem? Huh? Well, you know, they, they're not as mature as I. You ain't mature as you think you are. If you think, you think you're sparing your kids some trouble because you don't want them to deal directly with God. You know, we the devil's slick, y'all. You have you thinking God is your kid's worst enemy. And, that, you know, and people say, well, I just turned it over to the Lord like they punishing somebody. Well, we know better than that. We know we're turning our children over to mercy when we turn them over to God. Are you kidding me? He's more merciful than we can conjure up. Huh? No. So when the enemy attacks you, if you believe the words of Jesus, it's a done deal. He has prayed for you and your faith will not fail. You will go through, but you will go through in faith. You will go through with a vision of victory before you and not any doubting, not any ideas of fear or defeat, but you'll go through in total victory. Many times, and I'll tell you, this has happened to me in my life, the delay in, in getting your answer, getting your deliverance, 
is depending upon your conversion. See, God could deliver us immediately, but he, he knows the process. He'd rather have you converted and stay in the stew a little bit longer than to pull you out prematurely. And then you, you have all kinds of iniquity hanging on to you and, and, and pulling nonsense back into your life because you felt like you couldn't wait. You know, and it's, that's, that's the thing the enemy gets us all on. It's like Norval Hayes when he said, the longer it takes, the better it is for you. And we all smiled and went, goodbye. Huh? You want no more of that medicine. And so when you, when you think about it, if, if your faith won't fail because he's, he's prayed for you to make it through the trial, what do you think is happening to your faith the longer you stay in there? You got me. So if you stay in there to completion, and then he knows when you're about to give up and he'll pluck you out of it. You got me? And, and that kind of thing. So there's great mercy over this process when you think about it. You need to grab onto faith. When you get difficult news, grab you a scripture, grab on the faith as fast as you can. Amen? Because it is about faith. Philippians 1.6 tells us why. Well, Philippians. One six. <clears throat> Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he, he's, he's confident in this. You got me? This is no wavering. This doesn't depend on how much you believe or depend on how good you are. If you're an elect or not elected. He that begun a good work in you will perform it until the end of your life. You got me? The end of the day. Until the day of Christ Jesus means until the day that you meet him face to face. So I don't care how, how great a ministry you are, how big a deal you are. He who begun a good work in you is still perfecting and performing. Huh? Some of the things I think about God doing that, that perhaps um, we thought was, was going to be a different story. Brother Cirillo was, was very, very sick. He had um, some vascular disease and wounds that wouldn't heal and you know, and he's up in his 80s. And so the the conventional wisdom, as they say, or normal human carnal mind is, well, we'll pray for Brother Cirillo. And then there's the but. But he's lived, oh, look at what he's done. And look at how, the, well, if he's done all that, maybe he need to get a Hezekiah 15-year renewal. Because that's how Hezekiah stayed around. They didn't say quite how old he was. You got me? But after he gets finished talking to God and say, God, I've done this for you. I've been the one that, that turned people back to you. I took down all the altars of Baal. I've done all these things. Who is going to do that if I die? It's a good prayer. It's a good prayer. Because lo and behold, Brother Cirillo got up off the bed of affliction he's 100 percent back again and he's back out preaching again now who's gonna do that with him somebody who's anointed like it's like getting up brushing your teeth 
to get two million people out and preach the gospel to them. It's just it's it's like rolling off of a log. So why wouldn't we want to pray for God to preserve his life? Who else? God's going to have to start grooming somebody else to stand in that place. Huh? And the pickings is mighty slim in some parts. You understand what I'm saying? And so why wouldn't we pray? So is it is it the sifter till you die? Or is it a done deal that you're going to get up and live? And sometimes people who are in these situations... Think about, well, look at how long I've been doing this. And look at how, well, God, look at how old I am. And God said, "Mm -mm, I'm looking at what I have yet for you to do. So we're going to, amen. So your faith will not fail. Just get in faith, brother. Don't don't put the nail in the coffin yet. Just get in faith and, and, and ride it out and see what I will do with you. And so, I mean, that's what he and his wife, he said his wife was more youthful after she went through that. It was back in the 90s. She was very sick. And he said all his children turned against him because he wouldn't leave his ministry, what he was doing out on the field, and come back and take care of mama, is what everybody called her. And Brother Cirillo said, God told him, I told you to just focus on what I told you to do, and I will take care of her. And she had been off and on sickly for many years. And Brother Cirillo said after that, he said she looked younger healthier and she's still going strong that's been over 15 or 20 years ago now Amen. so you get sifted when you up in your 80s you think you go coast it you know you might hit the sifter again to see what still is in you that god wants to use to strengthen your brethren if you get stronger you got a way where you can strengthen more people even after that sifting process is over so he says, he who be confident of this, God's going to finish what he began in you. He's not going to, you're not going to leave this earth until you get it done. Amen. And get it all done. And once you get it done, say, God, I think I can go a little longer and do some more. Amen. I think anybody who's elderly and on a deathbed can ask for 15 more years, you know. Now, if you're going to go pay, play bingo and, and smoke cigarettes, now, come on now. Just go and do that. You know, don't even bother with us believers. But if you're a believer, amen. <laughs> that little lady that gave her testimony to uh, Roberts when we were in Lansing years ago, she didn't start her ministry till she was in her 60s. Because the devil had her deceived and bitter about church people all her life. And she asked Jesus for another chance. She said, just if you will heal me, she said, I'm going to go and do what you call me to do. All her life, she'd been waiting for man to tell her to go serve God. Huh? I mean, I love boys all my life, but I beat them up in a minute. You understand me? You don't just take orders from people. If I had listened to people, I wouldn't be doing anything for God. Be waiting on my husband to get up and do something. You got me? Some things you are called to do, and God will see what people don't don't do right. They don't leave it up to God to tell the spouse what they're called to do, huh? And so God told me. He said, He said, you just do what I tell you to. He said, I'll take care of him. And the way he said it, I liked it. I got a husband and I got a boyfriend or whatever you are, God, but I like you. Right, Poppy? 
see, we got to have a husband and we got to have a daddy too. And we're, we're God's daughter first and then we're the wife. Okay? I, I went to a uh, um, uh, conference. Uh, Oral Roberts had an international Bible, charismatic, ICBM, International Charismatic Bible Ministers Conference. Mac Timberlake had been sick with throat cancer. And uh, I heard the Timberlakes, well, I was going to go anyway, but I heard the Timberlakes were going to minister. And everybody loved them because they were so strong in relationships, marriage, family, stuff like that. They just had it in them, had the word real strong in them. And Mac was, was like a super dad to all the families in that church. And uh, when he was, it was, it was heartbreaking to see um, that. But in in his last is the last time he preached there he said i i talked to god and his his voice wasn't quite the same it was a little garbled and brenda always stood beside him preaching she kept a little handkerchief in her hand she would dab his mouth you know because he couldn't really swallow very well and he said i i got on my knees and he got down there he's very thin he's a real tall man so here he is about this height, and she's standing next to him. And he said, and I asked him, I said, Father, how do I love your daughter? And every time he said, your daughter, is like tears just came up. You know, there was not a dry. He preached that whole time on his knees, talking to God about how, not my wife, but your daughter. You got me? And so that put it in perspective for me for why I enjoyed the fact when God said he would tell my husband things. Because God is his father as well as I am, as he's my father. And it's, so it's like you have a, a wise family relative and elder you can go to all the time to straighten out disputes, to, to straighten out what you're supposed to do. And so when God told me he would speak to him, I took God at his word, and I never had a problem out of my husband, anything that I wanted to do for God. You got me? If he didn't like it, I would pray about it, and God would pretty soon, he was mellow again. You know, he said, oh, okay, baby, well, I understand. you got to do what you got to do. And he always put his little butt in there, you know. But I would prefer, well, I like it better if you know whatever, whatever. You know, they always think you're doing too much for other people, not enough for them. You know what I'm saying? You know, families are like that sometimes. They, you know, you, you need to stop doing that for, for them. They don't appreciate you. Huh? But they want you to. They treat you like a Hebrew slave in the house, you know. It's, <laughs> your tongue be hanging out. And you wonder, who going to help me admit? Who going to rub my feet at the end of the day? Huh? It's just that way sometimes. Amen. That's, that's what the help is for, I guess, to help us. We to help her. So, amen. So God completing the work he began in you. It's not whether, whether or not he will come through. It's about him completing your conversion. you got to be converted. you got to come through this more like God in your thinking, your acting, your expectation, everything. More like God in, in every respect. Faith always tells you it's a done deal. It never leaves you a doubt if, and, but, or maybe. When your faith is right, 
you have an assurance and a peace that it's a done deal. Satan's sifter is trying to separate you from your faith and from the love of God. So he wants you to give up. Some people feel they don't have a lot of faith or whatever. Well, he wants you to give up the little bit you got. I'm telling you, if it's big enough for him to wrestle you over it, then it's great faith. You got me? It's on its way to doing something if you'll hold on to it. So, so he wants to separate us from God. We don't think <clears throat> completion when we're in the sifter. Amen. Because the fiery darts of the enemy are aimed at our heads to cause doubt. They're aimed at our hearts to cause bitterness because we feel we should have had it made before now. Little do we know that there's more sifters waiting for us in the future. <laughs> Amen. You just get in a bigger sifter. That's all, you know. So the sifter uh, refers to the attack by the lives of Satan, lies of Satan. While we are being challenged in our faith. So your faith meets an obstacle that it's not big enough quite yet to overcome. And so you want your faith to get beyond that point. You want it to grow to the point where if it meets it again, it will push it out of the way. And you can go on and get what you need from the Lord. While we are holding on for one thing, something else turns up missing. You got me? So this is the sifter. Turn to Job. I think we can start in chapter 1. It says, Job lived in the land of Uz, and he was perfect in all his ways. He feared God and hated evil. He had ten children. He had thousands of cattle, sheep, many household servants, all of that. His sons and daughters would get together and feast, and then Job would, would go about and offer burnt offerings. This is verse 5, according to the number of them all for Job said it might be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts Job did this continually now this sounds like these are grown kids to me these ain't they got their own houses and they giving parties at, at one of the kids houses Job goes to God so number one we know that we can assume that Job is a priest of some type so he's a minister and these are preacher's kids you got me and so we know the whole nine yards about that sometimes they feel so privileged they don't have to have a relationship with god god will find out one day go knock on their door and they're gonna have to fess up amen they're gonna have to pony up just like everybody else and so here we have job making offerings for them apparently without their consent this is always wrong you want to pray for your kids to prosper and have a good job they living in sin you never acknowledge that before god you know we need to square a little stuff away god i know they don't deserve it i know they don't because your word says the righteous shall amen they are the seed of the righteous I trained them as best I could to do better, but they ain't doing better right now. You got me? 
At some point, they'll get in a sifter. You understand what I'm saying? And their faith won't fail. But don't think that it's okay for them to ride through on your prayers for the rest of their lives. They got, they got their father, too. See, we're trying to make God a grandfather instead of a father. So he's their father, too. And they're going to have to, they're going to, have to deal one day. Amen. They're going to deal. Amen. So the attack of the lies of Satan while we're in the sifter is what Job, this book of Job, teaches us about. That's why a lot of people like to skip it. They say, ooh, that's too big to skip. Let me read a little bit and say, oh, Lord, have mercy. No one I want to skip it. Let's keep skipping it. But, but it gives us a, a, a uh, all scripture is valuable. You know what I'm saying? It scares us because we don't want to face what he faced. You got me? I've even heard some preachers say, oh, well, you know, that was an extreme example. We don't go through it like, uh, you better keep living, buddy. You've seen these people out here who illegal aliens murder their children? You don't think they hurt like Job did? That's one child. He had ten, but hurt is hurt. I don't care how many you lose. You lose one, it hurts. Amen? And so when you think about it, this is very apropos to our, our lives and our living and, and how we live before God. He's offering burnt offerings because he's saying to himself, <laughs> instead of talking to God about the kids, he's scheming on God trying to see if he slip an offering over there and they get a pass for all their bad living. huh? And it says he did it continually. He was a righteous man, but he had something in him that the devil knew he could latch on to. Amen. So he, the devil goes to God, and it said the, and Satan. It says here in verse five, six. This is five. No, this is six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, "Now Satan got there for old times' sake. Sons of God are usually referring to angels." He said, hey, remember me? I used to be with y'all. He marches right on in with them. As, as, as Lord of this earth, Lord of this world, he has a right to petition God because he still has spiritual clout and authority, just in darkness, that's all. Amen. He left his first estate. He's been moved down to earth, but he's still realming in the spirit and roaming in the spirit and doing things. So he talks to God. And the Lord said to Satan, where are you coming from? Satan said, from going forth to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. That's his domain. It's where he belongs. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? So it looks like God volunteers Job for this trouble. Why? Because he's prayed for us already and our faith won't fail. God sees us coming out at the end. He never saw Job losing. He never, he saw, at, in chapter 1, he saw what happened, in, what's the end of Job, 42, 46? Yeah, he saw verse, chapter 42 at chapter 1. You know who didn't say it? see it? was Satan. And Job got glimpses of it because he knew God. So everybody's up on the deal that it's a done deal except the devil amen and so there is something about these confrontations between us and satan that diminishes his power in the earth every time we win and that's what god is looking at 
he's looking at number one it's a done deal for you you're going to come through your faith won't fail you're going to be converted you're going to come forth as pure gold you'll be stronger you'll be able to strengthen your brethren all of that but he's also looking at it's worth the risk with you involved for him to diminish satan's power you got me every time we're confronted by the enemy if we hold on to god it diminishes satan power in the earth because if you get converted you get strengthened you can strengthen other people look at all the souls you can win and steal them from the devil you got me so god sees it worth it he won't let you go through anything that he doesn't see you coming out because he knows the end at the beginning so at the beginning of your trial he already sees you converted he sees you purified he sees you stronger he sees you with supernatural abilities that you never had before that's how he sees you that's how he can call those things that be not as though they are day one of your testing and your trial amen and he says <clears throat> he says if you considered my servant Job, there's none like him in the earth a perfect and an upright man who fears god hates evil satan answered the lord and says hmm, does job uh does job fear you for nothing you made a hedge around him amen and that is true so then god gets accused of protecting job from satan for no reason you got me and god says no he'll make it through he said we'll take some stuff from him and you'll see he's faithful to me he belongs to me all of that kind of stuff if god doesn't do that for job what do you think is going to happen to job he's eventually going to lose it all anyway without any recourse because job is on a little collision course with god if he don't straighten this nonsense out making offerings for people who don't care nothing about god pretty much by their behavior amen instead of going to god and saying i done messed them kids up you know i, I should have done more of this i should have done more of the word i said it's, it's a hot mess right now but it's a done deal that you're gonna straighten them out god just show me my part amen forgive me for doing your part all these years and show me what my part is you got me and and then you stand by you're not mom and dad anymore you're their intercessor huh and the servant whatever you need whatever role god assigns you if he tells you to shut up for 10 years and don't mention my name to him i'm gonna do something a little different then that's what you do and so you you come clean before god and this was job's what he did you know he he had this habit of sometimes when you when you think you know god because you're a minister or because you've been uh, god trusts you with the anointing to do certain things for him uh, you find out you don't know nothing about god until you get on the wrong side of things that's when you wake up see for all them good old goody christians that do everything right all the time don't let make no mistakes Ooh, yeah there's something for them too look at jonah refuse to go preach if i go down going to know Nineveh let me tell you what i'm out of see god i've been doing this for years now i didn't seen enough of this go preach judgment stuff god ain't gonna kill them people 
You know what he's going to do? He's going to forgive all them people. And I ain't wasted my time. Well, I got to get up on a big old nasty boat and get seasick and all that stuff for three days and four nights and all that. Well, I got to do that. I ain't going nowhere. And so he finally convinces himself he ain't going to do it. Because I know God. Uh, three nights in a uh, submarine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a submarine riding a whale taught him a few things or two. He said, oh, I didn't know this about you. Huh? I thought when you went and got under the sea, you was a goner. I found out it's a place where you can live down here if God will let you live. Huh? Yeah, he repented when he got all up in there. Huh? That's what he needed to do. That's what Job needs to do. Shielding his kids from God like that. He can't live like that. So God's a righteous man by God's own confession. Doesn't mean righteous people don't have stuff. Uh So what's going to happen to Job is he got to get separated from his stuff. Everything that was in his life that was built on fear left his life. Everything you're afraid God's going to take from you or you're scared God ain't going to treat your kids right or he's not going to do this form or that form, you will find those things removed because you, you've got to, it, it says, you know, if, if you lose your life, you'll find it. If you seek to hold on to it, you'll lose it for sure. So you might as well let it go and trust God with these things. So then <clears throat> Job is here. And so God tells Satan, he says, Verse 12, everything that he has is in your power. Only don't put your hand forth on him. That's when he lost all his kids. That was the first sifting. Mm -hmm. The kids went. The uh, cattle went. Servants went. I think it was four, four servants that came to bring him bad news. So he had four bouts of bad news in one day. He says, verse 18, while he was yet speaking, there also came another. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, just like you thought. But Job, you thought you had the remedy to that. And that didn't save him. See, Job knows that his best efforts outside of God will not save anything. And he says, it came a great wind from the wilderness and hit the four corners of the house and it fell on them and they are all dead. He said, I alone escaped to tell you. When, when bad news comes, the, the bearer of bad news always makes his way to you. Satan makes sure of it. Amen. So these were messengers of Satan. How did, or they all would have died. Nobody would have been spared. Amen. So these are messengers of Satan come to tell you the bad news. Huh? You know, sometimes people say things, well, uh, your kid got expelled from school. Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. God's getting ready to do something new in his life. And I'm counting it all joy. Your son just got 20. Praise the Lord. He's still worthy of praise. Amen. Because that puts an end to his foolishness. He's still alive. There's still a chance he's going to do something for God. You don't know what's in that sifter with God separating you from. Amen. Job's life was saved. Amen. That was the, the one thing that happened in the sifter. 
then the devil comes to God again about Job. Amen? So he gets a second sifting. And that's when, when God said, just don't take his life. Amen? And so, <clears throat> and that's in chapter 2. The Lord said to Satan, where are you coming from? He tells him the same thing. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? So forth and so on. And then God said, uh, he says, he's still holding fast the integrity of his heart. See, that's how you get into the second sister. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's really a promotion. It don't look like it because of the boils and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's kind of in the calamine lotion doesn't work a lot. But it's a promotion. It's like some of y'all get God, I need more money. I need more money, and every and the the hordes of hell are in your your immediate vicinity where you work, huh? You got your promotion, huh? So we back in the sifter again, eh? Huh? huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's time to see if you'll love one another as much as you love that money you're making, huh? Yeah, yeah. I put you here. I don't care how much they pay you. I still put you here to love the unlovable. Amen. I still put you here to strengthen your brother. Amen. Well, uh, there's a woman at my job. She got this old religious spirit. Now, I'd be telling her about the Lord and stuff, and she always coming up. Well, that's what they're going to do. Huh? Them devils, they live to overquote you on scripture, tell you that stuff ain't, we, you know. But you got your promotion. That's what Job got. He went through the sifter a second time. And this is where he came down with the sickness and boils all over his body. Amen. But God wants us converted. He wants us converted. In Matthew 13, and this is the important thing for us and for Job. Matthew 13, he says... When we see with our eyes, hear, uh, see with our eyes, hear with our ears, understand with our hearts, we'll be converted. So that's your full attention on God. No more partial attention. You know, being in church and wishing you was elsewhere. You know, or just, you know what I'm saying. I mean, everybody does that. It's just, that's just what the devil do. Huh? Or thinking about the whole time you're in church, thinking about what you got to do at work tomorrow. Got to get her and get home, get my clothes straightened out and all that kind of stuff. So he says, for this people's heart, Matthew 13, 15, this people's heart is wax gross or, or they are stony. It's turned against God. Their ears are full of hearing, uh, dull of hearing. Eyes they've closed, lest at any time. So at any time you could be converted. Your sifting can be short or it can be long. At any time you begin to hear with your ears, God got your full attention now. See with your eyes, God show me something. I got to find a way out of this and understand with your heart, God, I realize my error. I've been scared. I've been keeping my kids away from you all my life. And that's what happened. That's what caused all this stuff to happen to me. I've been saying I worship you, but I'm really scared of you. I don't trust you. I don't count you faithful. 
I don't want to lay down everything and, and don't touch it until you tell me to pick it up. Huh? These are the things that, that God wants us converted out of and into 100% trusting him. We got we to gotta go 100% with God. Huh? 99 and a half just won't do. Amen. Oh, got to have a hundred. That's right. Yeah, that's God. Huh? You, you think a man thought that song up? The, stand, the standard is too high. Most men will tell you, I ain't going to give you 100% of nothing I got, baby, and I love you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, seriously. God's got to have 100%. He don't, you don't want no, and you don't want a 99% people speaking into your life or ministers. We all want the best. Well, you got to sow the best in order to get the best. Amen? So the point of your conversion is the point of your turnaround. And with Job, it was where God spoke to him after he had spoken all of those nutty things with them crazy people that came to visit him. You know, sometimes you don't need no visitors. You just need you and God. And see, that's another sign of Job's weakness. Man-pleasing, entertaining man, thinking he was here because he was a priest. He got to still entertain people and let them come. No, don't come around. I'm, I'm setting myself apart to be with God for a season. I'll need no company. It would have ended a long time sooner. Amen. So it says, less than any time, I, they will be converted and I will heal them. And that's what happened to Job. He was converted, laying right there on his bed of affliction. Amen. Because when, uh, when he got finished talking to his crazy friends, God just showed up sovereignly. It's good to call on him. Do you notice all the times Joe spoke uh, for God and not to God? Uh, we all think we know everything. Like Jonah, huh? But when you lay up in the belly of a whale for three days, you come out knowing some stuff you didn't know before. See, you get, you get real wise all of a sudden. Because then you figure out, oh, okay, maybe I didn't, I ain't never seen this before, God. And I thought I knew what you was about all the time, but I ain't never seen nothing like this before. And you'll find some things that you didn't know about God. Amen? It always happens to us when we think we got all your little ducks in a row. And then all of a sudden, you're in the sifter, out of nowhere, just in the sifter for no reason. Amen? But God will, will deliver us out of that. And so Job, Job began to to uh, listen to God. God came to him and started talking to him. He said, where were you when I formed? Do you know where the, 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 um, the pin that holds the drapery of the sky is? Huh? You mean the sky is held up with a pin like a curtain? Oh, yeah. Here's a tie back. Them little things we used to buy, you know, when they had them kind of funny drapes, some little tie backs. You did. There's a tie back, and God stuck a pin in there to hold the curtains of the earth back. So where is that stuff at, Job, if you know so much? You and your buds down here talking about me like I can't hear. Amen? Talking for me, his friends were. And so God wants to know. God began to put Job to the test. And Job found out there were some things about God he didn't know. And he got converted. And God said, get up 
This is faith. If you can call those things that be not as though they are, then you can act like they're so before they're so. And God told Job to get up and go pray for them crazy friends of yours because all y'all about to tick me off down there talking like that. And so Job put on his put in his place as a minister. See, sometimes when people don't have what everything all their ducks in a row, if they're prideful, they give up their ministry. They don't want to pray for people anymore. They don't want people who are, are say, for instance, if you're a minister and you're in a wheelchair, you can't have a healing ministry. Who told you that? It's not your power to use. It's coming through you from the throne of God. Those people want to believe when you touch them, then cool, let it happen. And so Job got off of his high horse, like, in order for me to really continue my ministry, I got to be all intact. Huh? If God waited for that, wouldn't nobody get helped in nothing. But I know for a fact that if you go through that sifter and you hold on to your faith, then God will convert you. You will be a different person when you come out of that. You got me? You'll be 100% where God wants you to be until the next sifting. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Father, we thank you.